Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, Paul says, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And here's how you to walk. With all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. There's a central theme throughout this text that we just read, and that's the word one. One. You find that very common. Amen. How many bodies are there? How many spirits are there? One. Amen. How many lords are there? How many faith? How many fathers? How many gods? I think there's a theme there. Amen. There's one. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, today, and we thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for this this opportunity to study your word. Lord, I pray that you would move, oh, Lord, upon me today. Lord, let me serve my gift that would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord. I want to talk to you today about the urgency of unity. The urgency of unity. Say that with me. The urgency of unity. The writer in the Psalms said in 133 and 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. What has it got on the end of that verse? An exclamation mark. I love exclamation marks because in text messages, you can put a thousand of them in the, and everybody gets to know that you're really excited about that. But in Scripture, all it does is it takes one. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity. We talk about being apostolic. We talk about one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We talk about uh, the apostolic message and the, the apostles' message. And we want to be like the early church. We want to be like that Acts church. How about you? I want to be a, like the Acts church. Amen. Well, a hallmark of that Acts church, that early church, was unity. It was not only a hallmark of that church, it was a mandate by God for the church. Unity. But when you study the beginning in the early stages of 
the church, you will find that they, they were said to all continue with one accord in prayer and in supplication. The Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. It's a hallmark of God's church. The Bible says in, that, in, in Acts 2, when it comes to uh, the, the, the conclusion of Peter's message, they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. A true apostolic church is very concerned about oneness. Oneness of God, oneness of purpose, oneness of vision, and unity. One accord, when that word one accord is mentioned, it's not talking about a Honda car. Okay, some of y'all get that in a little bit. But one accord speaks of one passion. As if we are breathing together hard. One passion. And it comes from a root word that means to sacrifice by fire. Unity is one passion. One accord. It's the Acts Church in its early stage. And it is the authentic stamp of the Acts Church in the last days. Unity. Unity is powerful. It, unity is powerful on a ball team. If a team is playing in unity, they can overcome even those that have better skills and, and better athletes. If a team is playing in unity. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that Babel, Babel that was against God's purpose, had power in their unity. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Down to verse 6, And the Lord said, Behold, this people, the people of Babel, uh, that they have one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will restrain from them which they have imagined to do. The ESV reads of this verse, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they purpose to do now will be impossible for them. Why? Because there's power in unity. There's power in unity. The people of Babel show this power for even an evil cause. They were not only speaking the same language, they were using the same terms, the same words. They shared the same vocabulary and the same vision. And the Lord says, now nothing will be impossible to them. So he came and he confused and divided their language. They couldn't communicate. But there's power in unity. Unity has the key to our victory if we will put it into good practice, into righteous practice. Goals can be reached where there is unity. We all understand the purpose and the vision when there is unity. A rebellious purpose brings division and it will destroy. But a unified purpose helps us go and focus on the right endeavor. Amen. For they had one language and they had one voice. Now, there are misconceptions of what unity looks like. A, a union is really not unity. Yeah. 
two cats with their tails tied together hung over a clothesline are a union. But they're definitely not unity. A union has an affiliation with others. Maybe even have a common purpose, but they don't have a common heart. Uniformity is not unity. The state or quality of being uniform means an overall sameness or regularity, a style, uniformity of style. Under the influence of uniformity, everybody may look alike. Communism operated under uniformity. But they sure didn't bring unity. Uniformity is not unity. Unanimity is not unity. The condition of being unanimous in complete agreement across the board leaves no room for personal dynamics or individual choice. But when you look at unity, God says, I'll give you one voice, one purpose, different members of the body, but one purpose, unity. God does not make all of us cookie cutter Christians. We're not all mind numb robots, all going in one direction. Amen. While, while uniformity may be a part of unity, and while union is a part of unity, and, 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 and while unanimity would be a part of unity, unity says we are oneness in agreement. We are agreeing as one. The key Greek word here is oneness. That's what the Greek word means when it says unity. A unified church operates in oneness. Oneness of purpose. Oneness of vision. Oneness of heart. Oneness in direction. Oneness in calling. Agreement in one. Amen. We need to be very careful about our uh, pursuit of unity. Unity is essential. Because a unified church is a, is a powerful church. Look at this. Galatians says in chapter 3 and verse 1. Or verse 27 rather. Galatians 3 and 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are what? You are One. Oneness is God's ultimate aim. Paul uses here the masculine one to show that in the eyes of God, the whole church is one man, one body, one entity. Hallelujah. Praise be to God for the oneness of the church. It is, it is a dynamic oneness because it is a spiritual oneness. We are one in the spirit. You are not an isolated member of the church of Jesus Christ. You're not called to be a loner and, and I'll go do my own thing. Amen. But we are connected. We are connected first to our local body. We're connected to our local assembly. We are to walk in unity more directly with those that we attend the same local church with. But we're also to be in unity with other churches of like precious faith. We are unified today, not just here with the church in America or the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ or another organization or another state, but we're unified with Russia. We're unified with the churches in Africa. We're unified in the churches in South America because we're one body all around the world, one body. 
on this building. We have brick around this building. And all these brick are connected to each other. This brick over here is connected more closely to the bricks that are around it. But it's still connected to the brick over here on this side of the building. That's the body of Christ. We are bodies. Amen. When we talk about the body, we, we need to understand the organic oneness of the body. When something is called organic, it is characterized by a systematic arrangement of parts. God puts the body together for a purpose so it can fulfill its organic whole purpose. God has selected us and arranged the body in such a way that we will fit and function in the organic calling that Paul talks about that you need to make sure of your vocation, make sure of your calling. One body organically created by God to fit its purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Look at this verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. He set us in place. I don't like where I am. I don't know. What, well, God set you there. You better figure out why. And verse 19, and, it, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. I love this. I believe Paul is preaching from his pastoral ministry right here, his leadership ministry. And he says, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem more feeble are necessary. You ever broke your little toe and then tried to walk? It's not fun. You ever, you know, one part of you, you just cut your finger with a paper cut. And if you're like me, it's, woo, where's the Tylenol? Amen. The body is very important. God designed a body, so he designed how we function, where we fit, what we relate to. Can I tell you, you better get along with those that you're connected with because you're dependent upon them in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. We are not an expendable part of the body. Every cell matters. Every part of the body matters. Every member matters. Well, I don't feel like I fit in. Well, you better figure out where you fit in. Because it's my job to find out where I fit in. It's your job to find out where you fit in. And say, I will do my best where I am right now to relate, to, to connect. Why? Because my job is to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit not about my position or popularity or, or growing and escalating to something. I, my job is to keep the unity of the Spirit. Your job is to keep the unity of the Spirit. Can you say amen in this house? God has designed the church to be a healthy, functioning community. Sometimes there are things that happen to the body that brings pain because there's division. Our rogue cells begin to function in, in the body, you know what rogue cells produce? 
cancer. They rebel and go against it. And so division can produce things that help destroy parts of the body. Amen. There is a mountain of evidence that shows us that there's a possibility for discord and division in the body. There's a place that that division can rise up. There's a place that the body can have discord. Otherwise, why would Jesus pray in John 17 for the oneness of his body? Through those that were there then and those of us that would come later. Why would the, would the writer Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, write that we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit? If there wasn't a possibility, the devil could slip in, rebellion could slip in, discord could sit, slip in, division could slip in, strife could slip in. All these different things can, can bring about division. If the church was a perfect body, we would never have to forgive one another. There would be no need for grace because we're perfect. But the body has got to deal with issues that rise up. Amen. And we need to look at, like we studied in the, the churches of Revelation, how that every church either had a problem or a potential problem. Amen. But there's always a solution. There's always a healing salve. There's always a way for unity to progress. Give God praise in this house. We must guard the health of the body. We must guard the oneness of the body. I am not teaching this lesson today because I think there's division in the church. I'm teaching this lesson today because Paul said, you keep working on it. You keep working on it because I don't want division in the church. I don't want there to be discord. I want to remind us today that we together will do anything that the Lord asks us to do if we have oneness, if we have purpose, if we're not about our own personal agenda and about our own personal idea and concept, but rather this is a kingdom idea. It's one accord. It's all breathing together, all working together for the path. There is nothing that can stop a church that is operating in unity. There are laws that God works within community and within unity that we can't afford to violate. You remember the story of Achan who sinned by holding back the, the garments and, and the things, the, the, the trinkets from, from Jericho. He held it back. What happened? The whole body suffered. People died because Achan broke protocol of unity. David sinned and other people died. You see, it's very important that we realize there are laws of unity that God wants us to continue to move in. Let's look again, pick up 1 Corinthians 12 and 24. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lack. That there should be no schism in the body, that the members sh should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, then all the members rejoice. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. God says, I want my church to operate 
under the, the, the thought of unity, of oneness. And then when that happens, when one gets blessed, others get blessed. When one suffers pain, then others suffer pain. Those that are closest to you in the kingdom are going to feel what you feel. And what you feel is what you feel those closest to you. Can I tell you today, God is moving in a mighty, mighty way. Do you realize that just Friday and Saturday, you were in Ohio. You were in Piqua, Ohio. No one, Pastor. Yeah, you were. Because Sister Gill was there, and she was speaking to a ladies' conference, and there were people that got healed. There were people that got delivered and got set free. But you realize Sister Gill's a part of you, and because she's a part of you, you went over there, and you're getting the blessings from it today. When we had those get the Holy Ghost in, in New Mexico, or, or rather Nevada, when, when you got the, they got received the Holy Ghost the week before that, you know what? That's part of you. Because we're a part of the body. We got to understand that it impacts us. I can't just go over here and do my own thing and do my rogue thing because I want to do my thing. But it's going to impact the body in whatever way, both good and bad. We need to make sure that we endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. It's an urgency. God hates division. God hates division. The first division happened in heaven. Because one being got a heart full of pride. And, and we see that the Lord said, okay, you and your followers, boop, out of here. I, I know that God will not put up with division because division is like a venom that, that, that releases a poison, a poisonous injection. Amen. And, and Satan brought that poison to earth and separated Adam and Eve from the divine communion with God. And God hates that. But God always has a plan, doesn't he, to bring us back into unity with him. Praise be to God. In Proverbs 6, it says, these familiar statements, but let me read them to you again. These six things, 6 and 16, doth the Lord hate? Yea, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. I could spend a whole lesson on social media from that one statement, but I'm not going there. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Whew. Let these sink into our spirit today. A heart that deviseth wicked imagination. Feet that are swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. Notice, sowing discord among the brethren is called an abomination. Just as... Switching the sexes is called abomination. Sowing discord is an abomination. In Jude, we find this depiction here in verse 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which are spoken before the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last days who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. These are men 
who divide you. That's what that phrase meant. These are men who divide you, who cause division. Amen. That word means to separate, to cause division, to mark off, uh, uh, to put in a a party system, if you please, to separate and say, I'm with this camp or I'm with that camp or I'm with, let us be with the body camp. Let us be with the camp of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I am going to do my best to endeavor to stretch myself, to diligently guard unity in the church. That's why gossip is not allowed in the house of God and among the people of the Lord. There should be a zero tolerance for gossip. Well, pastor, people need to know stuff. The only time that you ought to tell something about somebody is to go to someone that can do something about it. If your cousin so-and-so cannot do anything about it or your sister across the aisle cannot do anything about it, you're getting quiet. Maybe I need to shift gears right quick. Back to our original text in Ephesians 4, Paul said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, that means I don't have any other choice but this. I don't have any other choice but this. I want this. Somebody say, I want this. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. He said, I beseech you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. It is urgent, for that is what the word endeavoring implies to us. It is urgent. Unity cannot be copied. Unity cannot be substituted. Unity cannot be pretended. It may last for a while imitating some other form or infirm, but unity must be of the spirit, real, real, Real in the house of God. No church has ever oozed its way into unity. It comes by intention. It comes by design. It comes by the spirit. No one gets unified by secondhand information and secondhand absorption. Amen. It's not like getting secondhand smoke. No, you have to be intentional. You have to be diligent. We must be diligent and say unity is so important that I'm not going to let the door crack one one inch, one millimeter. I'm not going to let the door of division open just one little bit because I know that unity is so powerful that if I will walk in unity, I'm going to get what I need connected to the body. I'm going to get what I need to be fed if I stay connected to the body. My dad used to have a saying, the banana that gets picked gets peeled. My dad had all kinds of sayings. I'd have to think about them real hard. But you get separated from the body, you become open prey, like that stray uh, wildebeest that the lion is looking for. It's looking for that stray one, not the one with the pack, because it can't attack the pack. It's going to attack that one that separate you separate from the body of Christ. You let your spirit get a little bit dis disconnected and a little bit 
askew from the body of Christ, the enemy begins very intently pursuing. Amen. I want to run back to the body. I want to run back where there's safety. There's safety in together. There's safety in numbers. There's safety in being part of a local assembly. There's safety in the house of God. I got somebody to help me with my load. Somebody to pray for me. Somebody to love me. Somebody to be there when I need somebody. It's urgent. He said, walk worthy. Walk worthy. Walk as a prisoner of the Lord. He understood that Christ's purpose is paramount. Unity. His purpose is paramount. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Mr. Phillips writes, make it your aim to be one with the Spirit. And you will inevitably be at peace with one another. Oh, there's a key right here. What, do my, what is my endeavoring here? To get along with people? That's not what Paul said. Is my endeavoring to make everybody happy? That's not what Paul said. He said, I endeavor, Brother Chris, to go after the unity of the Spirit. The unity is the Spirit. Because here's what happens. If I get unified with the Spirit, and if you are unified with the Spirit, we're unified automatically. If we will have a move of God where we're all getting in the presence of God and we're all in his power and his blessings, we become unified like nothing else. It's the spirit that unifies us. It is that, what are we urging? And what is it so urgent with us? It's getting in the spirit. I want to be with one, at one with the spirit and then I will be at one with you. Can you praise God today? The word here is Hasten to it. Be urgent. Amen. Hasten to it. Unity requires a sense of urgency on my part and on yours. The word here is spudazo, which speaks of intensity of purpose followed by intensity of effort. Intensity of purpose followed by intensity of effort. The idea of urgent, of endeavoring, is to give maximum effort for, to do your best, to spare no effort, to hurry on, to be eager towards, to hasten to a thing, to exert yourself, amen, to endeavor. It means not only to be willing to do with eagerness, but to follow through with a diligent effort. In other words, spudazzo or endeavoring does not stop with affecting one's state of mind, but also affects one's activity. It's not just what I think, it's what I do. We must all be endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit together. Can you just praise the Lord for the unity of the Spirit today? It's intensity of purpose and intensity of effort. Do your best. Persevere. Don't get crossways with people. Don't get crossways with people. Hasten to it. And he says, keep it. Keep. That means to guard. Guard it from. What do you, what do you put under guard? Things that are valued. I mean, you got some guns that you value. 
Where are they at? I hope they're in a gun case. Amen. We used to have a, an understanding that you can keep a gun in a cabinet, but now you got to keep it in a case. If you value something that is an heirloom, you just stick it in the garage, in a box. You put it under something that is presenting that value. So if you value unity, you'll guard it. Do you, do you, do you value you? Brother Austin, you value your wife? You're going to guard it. Right. You guard what you value. That's right. Pastor Dylan, you, you value Sister Katie? And you protect her. A young man went to my dad one day and said, Brother Gil, you don't believe in fighting to settle differences. He said, no, I don't. This was a Bible college age young man. And he said, you don't believe in fighting. He said, well, what would happen if some man got into your house and attacked your wife and started beating up on your kids? And my dad said this, you just have to be there to find out. There are some things worth fighting for. There are some things worth valuing above these things of flesh and the world, above a personal agenda, above a personal, I want identity and I want this. I have to value unity and guard it, guard it, guard it in the name of Jesus. Don't take every word you hear about Sister Sally or, 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 or Brother so-and-so, don't take that at face value. Find out uh, before you try to destroy that unity. Preserve it, guard it, keep an eye on it. That's what it means. No wonder the psalmist said how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There ought to be a sense of urgency. Jesus wanted us, us to understand that. Look at John chapter 17 and verse 16. They are not of the world even as I, talking about his church, his disciples, even as I am not of the world, sanctify. When you see the word sanctify or sanctified, if you see that word, that literally means set apart for its design purpose. Set apart for its design, divine purpose. Sanctify them. Set them apart through that church. That word is, the word is truth. As, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also to the world, even so sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctified myself. Set yourself up for the purpose he, for us that they also might be sanctified for the truth. Neither pray I for those of these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Somebody say, that's me. That they all may be one. What is his prayer for the church? That they may be one. I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. The purpose of Jesus Christ coming is to have a church that's operating on the oneness nature of God. Give him praise in this house. Give him praise in this house. If Jesus prayed for unity of disciples, shouldn't we pray for the same thing? 
shouldn't we endeavor for the same thing? If we're filled with the Holy Ghost, if you're filled and I'm filled with the Spirit of God, then our relationship is interconnected by that Spirit. As long as I'm in tune with the Spirit and you in tune with the Spirit, we're in tune together. Thank the Lord for that. And we do it in the bond of peace. What holds unity together is a glue called peace. Somebody say, keep us glued together. We're protected by the unity of the Spirit, but we're held together by the bond of peace. Make it your aim to guard the unity of the Spirit in the church. <laughs> How do we do that? How do we guard that? Well, if you go back to verse 2, he gives us the ways to guard and how to maintain unity. He begins with all lowliness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. The unity of the Spirit is exhibited through these actions and attributes. The attitude of lowliness of mind is with humility. Unity begins with you. Not the letter, but the person. It begins with us and how we see ourselves and how we feel about ourselves. If we're humble, amen, we're going to have a better chance of being connected in the body of Christ. Humility is a pursuit, not an acquisition. It's something that we ever reach for. We don't claim to have it, but we just simply. Keep on pursuing towards it. It requires a constant re-examination, a re-evaluation of our heart. I don't want pride to enter into me because pride brings division. I want to make sure that I'm pursuing humility. Hallelujah. Can you just simply say, Lord, let me be humble. Let me be humble. Make that your prayer. Let me be humble. If I want unity, I've got to be humble. Philippians 2 and 2 says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and in one mind. That's unity. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than him themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Humility is not about seeing how low you can get. Humility is about lifting as high as you can the other around you. Humility is not bringing your safe self down to say, oh, how bad I am, how horrible I am, but it's about elevating those that are around you. Continue to elevate your brother and sister. Continue to encourage one another. Continue to say, you got this. Amen. Every now and then, walk by a praise team member and say, boy, that was a good song. You sang that. Walk by a Sunday school teacher and say, thank you for what you're doing. Walk by an usher and say, whoop. Oh, you helped me feel welcome in the house of the Lord. It's about building others up. It's about lifting other people up. That's how we do unity. We lift others up. We lift others up. Not through strife, which means selfish ambition, but through humility. The Amplified Bible reads of this verse, do nothing from factious motives, contentious, strife, selfishness, for unworthy ends. Don't be conceit and full of empty arrogance. Unity 
hinges upon how we see ourselves, not how we see our brother and sister. How we see ourselves. Then he said, with all meekness, and if you want to know what meekness is, go listen to last Tuesday's lesson and realize that it's a powerful word because it means power under control. Then he says, long-suffering. Are we good at that in 23? Is our world good at long-suffering? Can I get another witness? Are we good at long-suffering? Are we good at patience? Vine's Dictionary renders this word long-suffering as the quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation which does not hasten retaliation or promptly punish. It is the opposite of despondency and is always associated with hope. Long-suffering is really for our benefit because I don't want to lose hope and become despondent. Long-suffering is how you keep unity. It's how you see. I'd rather see the good in you. I'd rather see the good in people. How about you? I don't want to just judge and say, whoo, they're bad, they stink. But I want to be long-suffering. Paul wrote in his love chapter, he said, love suffers long. It's the ability to deal with different temperaments of people. We got into the temperaments on the way home. Uh, Sister Whitney went with us. We got into temperaments and all the different models and and how they work together. Aren't you glad the Lord didn't make all of us the same temperament? The same. Wouldn't we be all boring if we were all otters like me? <laughs> wouldn't it be boring if we were all lions like some of y'all? <laughs> or golden retrievers like some of y'all? Beavers like some of y'all? But thank God. Brother Keith, he gives us the spice of difference. And unity says we can work together for the cause of Christ. We can work together for the cause of the body of Jesus Christ. Long-suffering. Then he says something that's very interesting. He says, forbearing one another in love. Unity values those who have differences than us. The world says you got to accept us. And agree with us. But in the church, we put up with each other. (laughs) I put up with you, and you put up with me. That is what forbearing means. I put up with you, and you put up with me. Some of you may not like my, my unsweet tea that I drink with nothing that's all right. Where's my unsweet tea drinker? Uh, there's a few hands. That go- oh, there's a whole lot more. Mm. We are family. But we put up with different things with each other. If you can't forbear in your life, you will become the bear. Attack. Forbear. Put up with it. Put up with it. Long-suffering, forbearance is all part of unity. Somebody said, this is good, Pastor. Mm, This is good, Pastor. 
Let me just, I want to, I want to move further into this. Let's go to the scripture of Ephesians 4 and verse 4 through 6. Paul says, there's one body, one spirit, even as you are called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all who is above all and through you all. Paul says that oneness is held together by peace. Peace. Peace is the glue that holds us together. We have been planted together. Let's stay together. Amen. Paul said that we've been raised together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's hang out there together. Hallelujah. We, we realize that, that, that the Lord is coming soon, and we need to comfort one another together. That's what Paul said. Comfort yourselves together. We're in this together. We work on the kingdom together. We have received this together. It's just not my gospel and your gospel, but we have received the kingdom gospel together. One of these days, we're going to be called up together. Woo! It's not going to be this one little over here and one, one little over there. It's going to be we're going to be called up together. Hallelujah. We find that in Acts 2, it says all that believed were together. In Acts chapter 3, they went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. The Bible said that the place was shaken where they had assembled together. Hallelujah. We find in Acts 12, it says, many gathered together for prayer. Oh, God, let us get together, stay together. It's the power of unity. It is the power to get us to our purpose. It's a power that will work together for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love him today in this place. Everybody has their part. Everybody has their purpose. I've, I've used this illustration before, but let me use it again. I don't know what a new Toyota Camry costs today. $35,000, dollars I don't know. But that, let's just say $40,000. That $40,000 car is nothing without that seven, eight, nine thousand dollar $9,000 engine. Can't go anywhere if it doesn't have a transmission. Right? And that engine is worthless if it doesn't have a battery. $150 battery. Man, prices keep going up. And that battery is what helps start that engine. But that battery is useless if it doesn't have a $25 cable that connects the battery to the starter. And that cable is useless if it doesn't have a 50-cent washer and nut, tying them together and tighten up. So all that car is value comes down to a little nut and a washer. Oh, we like the car. It looks good. It's shiny. Yeah, but it's just a nut holding it together. Oh, the church is great and wonderful. Look at this church. Look at one. Yeah, but somewhere there's a nut holding us together. Come on, somebody. You feel like I'm insignificant. I don't do this. You may be the one that's holding us together. You may be the one that it is your life and your calling to put us together. 
Come on, stand with me, please. It's an urgent message today for us to endeavor, to be urgent about it, to say, it's my mission to stay unified. It's my mission to say, how do I do that? I do that by staying in harmony with the Spirit of God. I do it by getting in the power and the presence of the Lord. When I come in worship here, you come in the front, or if you stay in your seat, whatever the case may be, if you're going to worship the Lord, just say, oh, God, let me get in tune with you. Because if I can get in tune with you and my brother gets in tune with you, woo, we're unified. We're unified. We're going to be together. And there's nothing that can stop a unified church. Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Oh, praise be to God. I, I, I want to make an altar call for some nuts and some cables and some engines and some, and, and some transmissions and some brakes. And, and I want to make a call for the body of Christ to say, Hey, God, let me stay connected where I belong. Let me stay connected with the body of Christ. And we're going somewhere. We're going to go somewhere in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We praise you today. We Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.